Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. Was worship today a fear destroyer? Come on, wasn't it? It brought such courage to our hearts by the very words that we sang. And it wasn't just the words, it was the truth that we sang. And it's so true, what has got our attention has got our direction. So does the kingdom of God have our attention? Does truth have our attention? Or does the news have our attention? So we have to make a choice as believers that we are going to rise with a courage of spirit because he has our attention and he has our direction. And basically the worship preached my message today, but I'll preach it anyway. (laughs) Holy Spirit, come. Bring revelation. Allow me to bring scriptures to support everything you're saying and doing and the desire that you have for us individually and for our nation corporately in Jesus' name. Now, I'm going to start with one of my favorite scriptures, and that's Ephesians 1.4. And this is a fact about you. Say, this is a fact about me. That God chose you in him before the foundations of the world. So that means you are chosen by God. So every time you look at your life or your life situations and you feel like you're a castaway or you're isolated or you don't have value or you don't have worth, it is a lie. We are agreeing with the wrong spirit. We are agreeing with the kingdom of darkness because the word of God declares that I chose you in me. We've been chosen in him. Another fact about you is found in Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Actually, the word thought there means plans. God has thoughts for you. He has plans for you. And what are those plans? This is for every one of us. Every human being on the planet. This is his thought. This is his desire. This is his dream. For every human being, and what is that? Thoughts of peace and not of evil. But I see so much evil. That's not his thoughts. So what are we going to agree with, right? The truth is his thoughts, his plans, his ways for us are ways of peace. And peace is not just the absence of conflict. Peace is a confidence and a security of who he is in the midst of us. There are no evil plans from the Father for us. And the the rest of the scripture says, to give you, why are his thoughts and his plans for peace and not of evil? To give you an expected end. So not only did he choose you, but he chose the end for you. And guess what? We're children of eternity. 
So forever and ever and ever, it's for thoughts of peace and not of evil. Come on, guys. This is who you are. This is a fact. Another fact is we get to partner with the kingdom. The very thing Joel said at the end of worship. We get to partner with our God. We get to partner with the spirit of God. We get to partner with the kingdom every single day, every moment of the day. And that's what builds the kingdom because every time we hear his voice and obey it, the kingdom of God is established. We get to contribute to our world. Every one of you carries the spirit of God with a unique contribution, a unique gift, a unique talent. And I'm not talking skills. I'm talking plans and purposes and anointing and grace. He's got a plan for you to contribute to your world. You know, something happens when we live our life contributing rather than living in fear, taking and getting. Either we will live taking and getting or contributing, one or the other. And every time I get into fear, I start wanting to take and get. But in 2 Corinthians 8.11 in the Amplified, it says, now finish this so that your eagerness in desiring it may be equaled by your completion of it according to your ability. Do you ever have a dream, a desire? You know that eager, that excitement that you felt? He said, I want you to have that same eagerness to complete it. See, our God has begun a good work in us, and he is eager to complete it in us. Now, he wants you to be eager to complete what he put on the inside of you. You do not retire from being a child of God. The fact is, I'm never going to retire because I just don't have a career. I have a calling. I have not had a paying job since February. But it has not stopped my calling. Ask my husband. I'm busier now than I was before because everything I'm doing is driven by my calling. My career came out of my calling, which came out of my passion for the kingdom. Lord, show me ways to go into all the world and be good news. He didn't say, I've called you into the world to repeat the news, but to be good news, all right? We'll get off of that. So, Basically, he, a fact about us is that he's called us to finish what we started. So if we genuinely desire to build the kingdom of God and partner, the moment we said yes, and I love how Katie brought us all to a challenge to stand and make a decree. Because the fact is, the moment we say yes to the kingdom of God, we have said no to the kingdom of darkness. The moment we have said yes to light, we have said no to darkness. The moment we say yes to love and value and honor, we have said no to hatred and divisiveness. I can't stop what the world's doing, but I can choose what type of person I'm going to be. 
say, but oh my gosh, what if I fail? Well, you will. So take the risk. Take the risk of loving. Take the risk of living your life fully. Take the risk of loving deeply. You know, one of my favorite quotes that the Lord spoke to me, if you're not close enough to be hurt, you're not close enough to make a difference. So it takes risk to love. It takes a risk to make a difference in your world. And if I fail, what does it say in Proverbs 24, 16? If a righteous man falls, what does he do? He gets back up seven times. It's not, oh man, eighth time you're done for it. No, it's not saying that. It's just saying when you fall, you get back up. Because in our humanity, living in a world with all its challenges, with all its tribulations, it was all, it's like that now, but it's always been like that. Just look through history. But it's not what's happening around us, it's what's happening in us. What if everything's going wrong? And sometimes does it feel like everything's going wrong? The dishwasher breaks, you know, that's torturous. Who likes to do dishes, right? Oh my gosh, that's like the apocalypse about to come if my dishwasher breaks. You know, and then the washing machine breaks and all these other things happen. Right away, our thought is, what am I doing wrong? How have I sinned that all these things are happening? No, we're in a world with challenges. We're in a world with tribulation. We're in a world that not every human being aligns their thoughts and ways with heaven. And that's why we're here. We're here to be a light, not to attack the darkness, right? So when everything's going wrong, Isaiah 54, 17, and I'm not just throwing out scriptures as a little catch thing. This is the truth. This is our plumb line. This is how we live our life. So it's not just throwing out a scripture to minimize the challenges you're going through. It is releasing truth. So when I hang on to the truth, the truth will make me free. Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon that is formed against you will prosper. It means no weapon formed against you will have its desired effect. See, the enemy brings weapons against you to get you discouraged, to get you to give up, to get you to throw the talon, to get you to be isolated and separated and cut off everything that feels unsafe. The enemy does that, but it's not going to prosper. Because see, if our attention is on the kingdom, guess what? It defeats every lie and every strategy of hell. And even when everything's going wrong, we have the confidence and the security on the other side of this thing, I'm going to be better off than I ever was before. Some of the most painful seasons of my life were the transition from where I was to where I was called to be. My first book on shame came out of a painful process of healing, confronting the shame and the fear and the control in my life. That was the beginning of launching me into 
a purpose that I never dreamed I could walk in. What about when you're exhausted? Anybody ever get tired? Okay, all right. What if you're exhausted physically, emotionally, or spiritually? Galatians 6, 9, and let us not grow weary. Weary means discourage or losing heart, losing our courage. Let us not grow weary in doing good. Oh, look. It's not just growing weary. But when you're doing good, don't grow weary. When you're doing the right thing, don't stop doing the right thing. That's the message title, don't stop. When you're doing the right thing, don't stop it. When you're doing the loving thing, don't stop it. Don't be controlled by others' responses. Well, the way they treated me like that, man, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Mm-mm. No, don't stop. Don't stop giving. Don't stop loving. Don't stop serving. Let us not grow weary in doing well. Why? Because in due season, you're going to reap a harvest. Now, our neighbor here, he's a farmer. And I'll tell you, I love this illustration. Because if he gets up in the morning and he is doing good like he knew that he would, I would be singing like pastor if I could sing it. But he's doing good. Everything is perfect. He and his wife are just doing great. He has energy. He has passion. And he is just singing out of the abundance of his heart. And he takes that seed and he goes out in the field and he sows that seed. What's going to happen at harvest time? He'll reap a harvest. But what if he gets up? He couldn't sleep all night. He's got a stuffy nose. He's got a headache. He and his wife had a fight. Everything is going wrong. But he gets up because I got to sow the seed. I don't feel like it. I don't want to do it. I feel angry about life right now. And he gets up and he goes plants those seeds. What's going to happen at harvest time? He's going to reap a harvest. See, doing good has nothing to do with how we feel. Doing good has nothing to do with whether or not I have the Holy Ghost goosebumps or not. Well, I know it's God because I had Holy Ghost goosebumps. No, doing good is something we can do all the time because it aligns with the word of God. It's not based upon my emotion. It's not based upon my feelings. It's not based upon what is happening to me. Oh, you say, Melody, it's either pre- easier preached than practiced, and that's true. But I want you to know the more we practice, according to science, it becomes an automatic pattern of thought. So my knee-jerk reaction isn't like, oh, I knew everything was going to go wrong. No, my knee-jerk reaction is, God, you're going to turn this around for good. I'm going to keep sowing. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to be consistent in the call of God upon my life. And one of the greatest principles in business is consistency. You can't be up one day and down the next. You got to be consistent in character and competencies. Now I'll get off my consulting stuff. Okay. Let us not grow weary in doing well. No matter how that farmer felt, he's still going to reap a harvest. So we can't stop doing the right thing. I love in Daniel 7, well, I don't like this part, but in Daniel 7, it talks about the enemy's strategy, how he's speaking words, 
Words have a lot of power because the words I believe dictate to my life, right? So the enemy is speaking words at you, right? Against you. And shall wear out, another word for wear out is oppress the saints. The enemy is speaking words. You turn on the news, you're hearing words. You're hearing all this negative stuff and you're hearing these words. It is all for the purpose to oppress the saints. That's the goal. Because if you're oppressed, you'll do nothing with your purpose. You'll go hide in a corner somewhere rather than releasing this amazing treasure that you hold, the amazing love that you hold. But the rest of that verse, it goes on, and it says what God's doing. And he says he's made a judgment. And I'll tell you, if my God makes a decision, if he makes a judgment, hey, that holds power. And he said, and judgment was in favor of the saints of the Most High. And the saints possessed the kingdom. So the enemy comes in with his words to try to wear you out, to try to shut you up, shut you down. And God says, I've made a judgment in your favor. And you will possess the kingdom. Whew. See, we are graced with the finisher's anointing. The Spirit of God dwells in us. So there is an automatic grace that if we tap into that grace, that ability, that enablement, what takes place is we'll be able to finish. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Know you not that when you run a race with all, but one receives the prize, so run that you may obtain. So if we're going to be running a race, we're going to run it like we're going to obtain. You didn't start a business to fail. You started a business to obtain. And it has its ups and downs. And it's a race that you got to be consistent in. And it's a constant agreement with, with the kingdom, right? But the fact is, you got to run knowing you're going to win the prize. And we just don't have a price on this earth. We've got a prize for all eternity. This is powerful. Pressure cannot take precedence over your positioning. Pressure cannot take precedence over your positioning. We must focus on our positioning in Christ. Hebrews 12, 1. It talks about running the race again. It says, and let us run the race with patience. You know, patience doesn't mean, oh my gosh, I'm going to rip your head off, but I'm going to control myself. That's not what patience means. It literally means when you go back to the Greek, it means not being swerved from your deliberate purpose. So when we're running this race, we will not be swerved from our deliberate purpose. 
In the midst of chaos, we have opportunities. Our purpose does not stop, even if our job did for a while. What God put inside of you has not been taken away because situations have changed. We cannot look at things according to the natural, according to the flesh. We can't make mountains out of molehills. I want to say something, but I won't. James 1, 3. Yes, I will. I don't care if you wear a mask or you don't wear a mask. It has nothing to do with my purpose. We can major on a major or we can minor on those things. And I understand where people are coming from. But see, how are we going to respond? Pressure cannot take precedence over our purpose. So our only responsibility is to focus on our purpose and everything in our ability pursue that purpose. We're running a race and not being swerved from that purpose. And in James 1.3, it talks about knowing this, that the trying of your faith, right? The trying of your faith. That means our faith will be tried, not by God, but by circumstances, by all the things we're experiencing in our world, it's trying our faith. It's trying our purpose. It's trying to get us in fear. It's trying to get us into frustration and anger and irritation and choosing sides from another valuable human being. And I'm not saying you don't stand for righteousness. I'm saying you just don't let it divide you from another human being. I've been married to this man for 44 years. And have we agreed on everything? Did I cut him off because we disagreed? Maybe in those early years. He did the same thing to me in those early years when we were immature. Now it's not a big deal, right? If he's in a bad mood, I go, bless him, he'll get over it, and I go work. I'm not swerved from my deliberate purpose. I have no power over another human being, right? My only responsibility is to love and value and celebrate. We've never been called to control another human being. The trying of your faith works patience. The trying of my faith, if I respond to the kingdom, will empower me not to be moved from my deliberate purpose. These last few months, and not because of the things that are happening in the world, I can tell you one battle after another battle after another battle. I've had perfect teeth my whole life. And I've had almost $3,000 worth of dental bills. Like, where in the world did that come from? I never had a problem with a tooth. Hardly ever had a cavity. But you know, the more things that hit, I go, man, devil, you are afraid. 
You are afraid. Nothing is going to stop me. And in the midst of pain, shoot nerves up my face, down my face. And then I had this abscess and this infection was going up my face and down. It was a mess. You know what? I was still in my office doing what God's called me to do. So I could be miserable in bed or I could feel miserable but my inside, my spirit exploding with passion and almost excited because the devil ain't going to stop me. It's just like my mama. 97 in November. She falls two feet as she slid off her chair while she was talking on the phone. So she wasn't doing anything dangerous. She breaks her hip. And I wasn't here last week, as you know, and, and so we're walking down, we're going down. They let me go as far as I could as they were wheeling her to the operating room. And as we were going, she says, N um, I dwell in the secret place of the Most High. I abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my God, my fortress, and Him will I trust. Surely He will deliver me from the snare of the fowler. And she's going through the whole thing. And I turned to the OR guy and I said, That's why she's lived 96 years. <laughs> I see her and it. She blows my mind. Last night she was saying, yeah, she's going through physical therapy and it's very painful. It's very painful. And she's just automatically talking to the Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And they go, you're welcome. <laughs> she goes, I didn't tell him I was thanking Jesus. <laughs> But this week, she led a Muslim nurse to the Lord. Come on, guys. In the midst of her challenges, in the midst of her pain, she has not swerved from her deliberate purpose. The trying of her faith throughout the years. She never let the circumstances of her life control her or cause her to stop. And at 96 years old, she still is. She said, you know, they're just too easy on me in rehab. You know, unless you have pain, you're not going to get through this thing. And go, go for it, Grammy. <laughs> but you know what happens? The next verse, James 1.4. Let patience, let not being moved from your deliberate purpose have its work. Because no matter what happens, if I'm not moved from my deliberate purpose, what's going to happen? I will be perfect, meaning mature. I will be entire, meaning whole. W-H-O-L-E, body, soul, and spirit. And I will be lacking nothing. When we partner with heaven's purpose and we hold steady to our course no matter what we face. And remember, 
our brain might give us fits. We might feel fear at times. We might feel discouragement at times. We might be disappointed at times. Come on. That's a part of our humanity, but we don't let it control us. That's the difference. I want to close talking about, a long close, uh, talking about Nehemiah. Because see, Nehemiah faced things that broke his heart. And when you go to chapter one of Nehemiah, um, some, some came and told him of the condition of those who were no longer in captivity and they went back to Jerusalem. And Nehemiah said, how are they doing? And this is what they said. Those who survived the exile are back in the province, but they're in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. So now Nehemiah is hearing about his brethren and what they're facing. Jerusalem being torn down and burned with fire. Make your own <laughs> assumptions. And the people were in great trouble and great disgrace. And it says, when I heard these things, I got up and started praying. No, he says, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. He knew who to run to, but guess what? He grieved, he mourned, he hurt. Come on. He wept. See, unless we have compassion, we can't be controlled by our world, but we must have compassion for our world. There must be a desire on the inside of us to be a light in the midst of darkness. There must be that driving force on the inside of us that we're willing to pray and weep for the sufferings of others, not just our inconveniences. Chapter 2, he was a cupbearer of the king, and he went before the king. And the king he never saw him sad. And the king saw him and said, why are you sad? You're not sick. So he told the king, and it says in the Bible, and I had great fear. He felt fear confronting the highest level of power in the land. He felt the fear. But he told the king anyway about Jerusalem and his people. And the king says, what do you need? So he got everything he needed. And so now he's back there, chapter six. We skip a few chapters. And there Nehemiah is building a wall. And guess what? Whenever you build for the kingdom, there's always going to be people who are jealous of you. Come on. You ever face that? You start prospering, guys. There's going to be people who are jealous of you. 
Sambella, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, they're all jealous. And the rest of his enemies, he had a bunch of enemies. And they knew they were building the wall, so what did they do? They tried to distract Nehemiah from building. See, we got to recognize so many things that are taking place in our world can be a distraction to our purpose if we let it. Say, well, it hindered my business. Yes, it did. But that doesn't mean I have to throw away my purpose because there was some external hindrance. And so these guys send Nehemiah a letter and said, you need to stop building and come down here and talk to me. I love his response. <laughs> Nehemiah said, I'm engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come down and meet with you? I'm not going to get caught up in this problem you got that you have to have some kind of conference with me. I am going to do what God has called me to do, and I'm not going to stop building. I really felt this is so important to bring today because many times in the midst of pressure, we pull back and we stop. We get passive. We survive. We live in fear. And every time we live in fear, we get very self focused. How are we going to pay our bills? Now suddenly everything is all about me and my bills. And I forgot about the world. I forgot about my purpose. Come on. You know, yeah, stewardship. We have been stewarding. <laughs> We've been stewarding but not out of fear. Stewardship is proper management. We can't spend what we don't have, right? He would not stop building. So what does Sanballat and his buddies do? Four times, once, twice, thrice, and what's force? I don't know, four. <laughs> Uno, dos, tres, cuatro. Four times, they sent the same message. You got to come down. See, now they're harassing him. Come on. Lena, I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you. Hey, I'm busy building. I'm busy building. Lena, I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you. You need to come over. Don't do it. Come over. You just keep pesting and pesting and pesting, harassing, right? Four times. He wouldn't come. He wouldn't stop building. Not everyone is going to agree with you in your purpose. So the fifth time, now he sends an open letter. He gets it on the news. He puts it on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. He even makes a video about it and puts it on YouTube. I'm telling you, he's letting the whole world know that he needs to meet with Nehemiah and Nehemiah won't come. So now he's throwing out accusations. So the fifth time, this was the rumor that went on Facebook. There is a rumor among the surrounding nations in Geshem. It tells me, tell me if this is true. 
you know, you don't have to defend yourself when you're doing right. Our responsibility is just to do it right. There is a rumor around the surrounding nations that you and the Jews are planning to rebel, and that is why you are building the wall. According to reports, you plan to be their king. Oh, my. He also reports that you have appointed prophets in Jerusalem to proclaim about you. Say, look, there is the king of Judah. You can be very sure that this report is going to get back to the king, so I suggest that you come and talk it over with me. Distractions, accusations. His response. See, when you're not swerved from your deliberate purpose and you know what your purpose is, you know you're obeying God, period. And he said, there's no truth in any part of your story. You're making the whole thing up. They're just trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. So what did he do? He not only did not not stop, he continued the work with even greater determination. The more the enemy tries to shut you up and stop you, you just work harder. You want to mess with me? I'm going to put in another two hours today. I'm going to make another video. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. Whatever it is you got to do, you do it. Who's going to be the most stubborn, one that's serving the king or one that's serving darkness? That's why we have to confront the fear of man and the opinions of man. That doesn't give us license to treat them in ungodly ways, but it doesn't mean I have to be controlled by their ways. So then what happens next? Distraction didn't work. Accusations didn't work. Let's try death threats, all right? Uh, he says, let us meet together. He's sends this to Nehemiah, let us meet together inside the temple of God and bolt the doors shut because your enemies are coming to kill you tonight. You got to stop. You got to hide because they're coming to kill you. I love Nehemiah. His response, I've been feeding on these scriptures. Should someone in my position run from danger? Should someone in my position enter the temple to save my life? No, I won't do it. See, he recognized it was a lie of the enemy. He recognized it was to try to get him to stop building, and he refused to yield to it. So on October 2nd, the wall was finished just 52 days after he had begun. How long would it have taken him to build that wall if he said how high every time someone yelled jump? And this was the result. When our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. They realized this work had been done with the help of our God. Wow. We can't stop building, guys. 
We got to walk out our purpose. We must see opportunities in chaos. Actually, there's a Chinese word. Jane Hammond talks about this. And when you take the word crisis, one one of the definitions is opportunity. Danger, thank you, thank you. One word is danger, the other word is opportunity. So in any crisis, in any chaos, there's danger and opportunity. Which one are we going to choose, right? We have opportunity. We get to be the solution bringers, guys. Think about it. If the whole world's acting one way and I'm right there in the middle of it acting another way, it's going to get attention, There are people, I won't say too much because the world is watching, but there are people around the globe in government, in education, in human rights organizations, in businesses that are connecting to me. And I can tell you right now, we probably disagree on more things than we agree on, but you know what? They love me and they trust me because they know I genuinely value them. One woman said, in a country 12 hours time distance or time difference from me, said, you know, Melody, I would think you would be saying these things because it's popular to say them in this cultural climate. But we were discussing these things in 2019. There was absolutely no change in my voice or my message, and it's opening a door to be a light. Not to try to control somebody, but just simply love them. Building the kingdom is so easy. Love God, love others. There you go. Love God, fulfill your purpose, and use your purpose to love other people. We are the hope generators. We must, this is a big one, we must do the opposite of fear. Because fear is a strategy to stop us from building. So we must do the opposite of fear. Stephen and I were just talking, I think yesterday, driving in the car, and he was saying, he was seeking the Lord and saying, what is my goal? What is my goal? And so we were talking about this. And in the last few years, I know my whole goal in life is to feel, and that's not just an ooey-gooey thing, but to feel and know my Father's heart. That's, That's all I want. I can't be in a better place than to experience my Father's heartbeat. And his heartbeat has led me. And when some people might not have understood some of the things that I did according to my purpose and my voice and what God's called me to do, his power and his presence and his heartbeat was so strong inside of me. And just like Nehemiah, I wept. Just like, I mean, I've cried so much in the last couple years, not because of the bad, but because of the Father's heartbeat and how he feels for others. God so loved the world. While we 
We're not just sinners, but while we were enemies, I was one of those enemies. And he loved me in the midst of my stupidity. How can I be any less lovely, loving to somebody else? I just want to feel his heartbeat. Because when I feel his heartbeat, I will hear and I will obey. And it's not about platform, position, money. It's not about anything but his heartbeat. There's no safer place to be. There's no more fulfilling place to be. I love people and I love relationships. I love my husband. I love my kids. I love my grandkids. I love you. But no one can hold a candle to my daddy God. Because when it's all said and done, all I want to hear is, daughter, you did good. I know we won't say you did perfect. <laughs> I want to honor him. And I just want to close with the promise of the last days. This is what God says about the last days. This is what God is saying about now. Look. Acts 2, 17 and 18. And it shall come to pass in the last days that I will pour out my spirit upon all, all flesh, saved and unsaved. And how will he pour out his spirit on those that are not saved until they get saved? Through you. You're partnering with the kingdom. I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters, what? They're going to prophesy. That means they're going to hear the voice of God and communicate the heart of God. That doesn't mean, and the Lord says, son, truly, I'm going to cause you to be a millionaire within the next three years. No. Prophecy is taking the heart and the nature of Christ and delivering it to someone to give hope, to bring truth to them. But you claim that, all right? All right. Okay, I will pour out my spirit upon all. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and they shall dream dreams. Guess what? In the last day, it's time for vision. It's time to dream. It's not a time to say, oh, man, what are we going to do? Man, let's, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. If you want to stock up food for the next 10 years, you can go ahead and do that if you want to. But the fact is, that's not what it's about. It's about dreaming what can be. It's about imagining a world where the kingdom of God is ruling and reigning. And if you're going to think about your government, think about the kingdom of God ruling and reigning in that government. If you're going to think about business, think about the kingdom of God ruling and reigning in a business. If you want to think about the educational system, imagine the kingdom of God ruling and reigning in the, in the educational system and every other sphere of influence. Because, here's another promise. It's said in Isaiah 2, 2, and Micah 4, 1. Same verse, or same words. But in the last days it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord, that's the kingdom of God, shall be established in the top of the mountains, the kingdom of God will be established on every mountain of society. You know, Jesus is held in the heavens until the restoration of all things. And it shall be, or the kingdom shall be exalted above the hills. And what's going to happen? 
and the people shall flow to it. The last time I preached, I shared about a prophetic word that my mom got from Dr. Sharon Stone, and it was three years ago. And the word said, just like Anna did not transition, meaning die, did not transition until she held the Christ child. You will not transition. And I make a covenant with you that you will not transition until you hold national awakening in your arms. She's going to be 97 in November, guys. National awakening. That was a covenant my God made with my mom because she's been crying out for it. She hangs on to that scripture because she wants to see national awakening. She told me last night she's telling everyone about that prophetic word. And I want you to know that I'm going to see national awakening. And God is going to release revival around the whole world. You want to be part of this. And they're going, okay, who's going to argue with a 96-year-old lady? Come on. They're not there to fight with her. And she said, you know what? At my age, I can say anything I want. <laughs> so she's telling everybody about national awakening. Come on, guys. Not being moved from our deliberate purpose. No matter what we're facing, our attention and our direction is towards the kingdom of God. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I just bless each one. I thank you for the rule and reign of God being established in us and established through us and also for us in the name of Jesus. Because as we are able to receive, it empowers us to give. As we are able to uh, uh, know your thoughts and know your ways, we can communicate those to others. So, Lord, I thank Thank you and praise you that there's a courage rising inside of each one. They hold a valuable treasure. Each one is, is precious to you and called by you. And you chose them in you before the foundations of the world. So right now, we pull forth that calling. We pull, pull forth that purpose. And we declare and decree that each person will experience the fullness of their purpose and walk in the fullness of their identity and they will love life and they will see good days. I decree it and I declare it in Jesus' name. Amen.